0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with Byte. What's up, guys? Week number four of the NFL season in the books, which means it's time for the review episode of the fourth phase. And uh, we've got lots to talk about. We get to talk about the the pick six games, which were all relatively. Uh, exciting in, in one form or another. And, uh, we get to talk about the the colossal collapse, uh, of my bears finally discovering their offense, but then also remembering you have to play 60 minutes in order to win a football game in the NFL and, um, them learning that very harsh lesson in the fourth quarter. So we get to talk about that for a few minutes and, uh, yeah, then we have the, uh, well we start with the, uh. The all out blitz, and then we'll uh, meander our way through the pick six. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the week four review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase. Presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Interesting week, uh, week number four was, because this is kind of like in that area of the season where everyone really starts to establish themselves. Because week one, uh, I I like to steal the line from Kyle Brandt, week one is a liar for the most part. You don't really see for the rest of the season what we saw in week one, which is like the 49ers just drubbing the Steelers and thinking that the Steelers are going to be awful all season. Now, take what you will about what happened on Sunday to the Steelers against the Texans. And yeah, but it's like as we get into weeks, you know, week two, it's kind of a, a sometimes it's more of a rebound for some teams. Week three. Still kind of figuring it out, but, you know, usually when you get into this area here, like week four, five, and six is kind of when teams start to establish who they're going to be for the remainder of the season. Like, for example, when we get to the pick six, Detroit and Green Bay on Thursday night, the Lions really went out of their way to show that, you know, it's, it's going to be a big difference between the team that they want to be this year and the team they were last year where... The offense had just had to outscore the opponents because the defense couldn't stop anybody. And um, they went heavy in on the on the Packers uh, on on Thursday. Big time performance from the offensive line. We'll get into that when we get into our pick six, but that's just a big example. The Bills and the Dolphins. That was a huge, huge game, especially for Buffalo. So and sadly, <laughs> it does also count for bad teams like my Owen Four Bears. So yeah, we'll get into uh, all of that. But one one quick update I wanted to give you guys. Now, when we do the um, all-out blitz, and I'll actually start doing this in the pick six as well just to have, a, have it be consistent, but usually what you would hear between one game and the next is this sound here. Well, I've changed that so that you know which pick was correct and which pick was wrong. So when Larry gets a pick right... And when Larry gets one wrong appropriately, so as we go through uh, the games, I will you know say what I'm saying about the games and like, hey, you know I uh, well, just give this example. sadly, I uh, I picked against my bears on Sunday, but I got the pick right. so yeah, so. But we'll we'll talk about pick results and and all that kind of stuff on Thursday when we preview week number five. Uh, I, before the before tonight's Monday night game, I thought I was kicking ass. I really thought that I was doing well. And if the um, if the Seahawks win tonight, then I will finish over a hundred points for the first time this season. But it's like going into Sunday night football. You know who's winning the points this week? My mom. She was at 109 before – I don't know who she picked for the Monday night game, but she was leading the pack with 109 points going into the Monday night game. So I was like, well, yeah, and I need the Monday night win tonight. I got 13 on the Seahawks. I need those – and I need all 13 points to break 100. It'll give, it'll give me 101 for the week, and Mom's got 109 going into the Monday night game. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I wasn't doing it as well as I thought I was because – and actually, I'm not. She's not alone. There are at least four or five other people over 100 points this week. So, we'll talk about that uh, on Thursday when we break down where the top 10 is and uh, see if I actually make it into the top 10 this week. So, let's go and get it all. Let's go ahead and get it all started with the uh, all-out blitz and and get this bad boy going. All-out blitz. We begin in Jacksonville. We'll take scratch that. We are in the U.K., an early morning start for the Jags and the Falcons because they were overseas in London and were also being animated in real time to look like they were playing football in Andy's bedroom from Toy Story. Uh, the game win is expected, though. Lawrence and the Jags bounce back from last week's loss to the Texans. The Jags' defense shut the Falcons down as they have only scored 13 points total in the last two weeks as the Jags win 23-7. to <laughs> Cincinnati at Tennessee. After getting their first win of the year on Monday night, the Bengals go back to struggling on offense, generating only 211 yards of total offense, while Tannehill and the Titans rack up 400 yards of offense and cruise to a 27-3 win over Cincy. Rams at Colts. The Rams jumped out to a 20 nothing halftime lead and led 23-0 at one point in the second half. But Richardson and the Colts fought back in the second half, scoring 23 unanswered points to send the game to overtime. But the Rams won the toss and didn't give the ball back as Stafford hit star rookie wide receiver Pika Nakua for a 22-yard touchdown to get the walk-off win, 29-23 over the Colts. Minnesota at Carolina in the other matchup of winless teams. The Vikings and the Panthers got things off to an interesting start. When Panther DB Sam Franklin Jr. ran a Kirk Cousins interception 99 yards on the opening drive of the game to take an early 7-0 lead. But the Vikings would add a defensive touchdown of their own along with two TD catches from Justin Jefferson to leave the Panthers behind in the land of the winless with a 21-13 win over the Panthers. Pittsburgh at Houston. The Texans picked up where they left off with their win over Jacksonville last week by dominating this one from the outset. They took a 16-0 lead into the half. Kenny Pickett left the game in the third quarter with a knee injury, and former Bear Mitch Trubisky couldn't spark the offense as two Chris Boswell field goals was all the offense they could muster in a 30-6 loss to the Texans. (laughs) Las Vegas at the L.A. Chargers. Two fumbles from rookie quarterback Aiden O'Connell playing for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo in the first half led to a 24-7 halftime lead for the Chargers. L.A.'s offense was shut out in the second half, but thanks to Khalil Mack's six sacks and Herbert's 51-yard pass to Joshua Palmer in the final two minutes was enough to hang on to the 27, 24-17 win over the Raiders.
0: <laughs>
1: New England at Dallas. The Cowboys turned Mac Jones' three, in, three turnovers into 14 points in the first half leading to Jones being benched by Belichick for Bailey Zappi in the second half. Dak Prescott added 261 and a touchdown pass as the Cowboys get back on track after last week's loss to Arizona with an easy win, 38-3, over the Patriots, the worst in Belichick's 29 years as a head coach. Arizona at San Francisco. The Cardinals continue to show up every single week as they were only down five. 21-16 to to the Niners going into the fourth quarter. But San Francisco added two fourth-quarter scores, including Christian McCaffrey's fourth TD of the day, three rushing, one catching, uh, to put the Cardinals to bed, 35-16. Sunday night football, Kansas City in the first quarter over the Jets. This game was the beatdown people were expecting in the first quarter with the Chiefs scoring 17 points in the opening frame but Zach Wilson and the Jets were up for the national TV spotlight as they fought back to tie the game at 20 in the third quarter. But controversy was abound as a defensive holding call nullified a Mahomes' interception in the fourth quarter, allowing the Chiefs to hang on to the ball and hang on for the win 23-20 over the Jets. And finally, in tonight's Monday night game, the Seahawks' offense didn't do much, but they didn't need it as the defense did all the heavy lifting by sacking Daniel Jones eleven times and adding a pick six from rookie cornerback Devin Witherspoon, this is the third nationally televised B Town Giants fans have had to endure in the first four weeks of the season, as they as they got smoked by the Giants. Excuse me, by the Seahawks, twenty four to three. And there you have it, guys. There is the all out blitz for this week. Let's keep this bad boy rolling. And we'll step into the pick six for week number four. Pick six for week number four. We start in Lambeau with the Lions and the Packers. And as a uh, fan of an NFC North team, of course, I had, you know, big interest in this game and, um, you know the uh, the Lions, like I said, were out to establish themselves. They they'd rebounded from their Week Two loss to the Seahawks by trouncing the Falcons, um, and uh, we're basically looking uh, on a short no- on short notice, you know, going to going on the road to Green Bay, but looking to establish the fact that this is their series now because with the win on Thursday, it would be the fourth win over green Bay in a row. And, um, they went a long way in, in, in making that happen by having a 27 to three lead going into halftime, you know, the offensive line, for the Lions was absolutely dominant throughout the entire evening. I mean, it, it was quite the uh, quite the performance uh, from those guys up front. David Montgomery had uh, 121 yards and three touchdowns on 32 carries. And uh, this one only caught a couple of balls out of the backfield. So he had over 140 yards of total offense in the game and three touchdowns uh, against the Packers. As a former Bear... Had to feel good for him to finally get a win over Green Bay because in his four years in Chicago, we didn't beat Green Bay one time. In fact, I don't even recall when we ever got close, to be honest with you. But, yeah, in four years, because the last time we beat them was the second matchup in 2018. That's, that's what the win over Green Bay clinched the division for the Bears back in 2018, and Montgomery wasn't drafted until 2019. So in his... Four years as the starting running back for the Chicago Bears, we didn't beat the Green Bay Packers one time. So it had to feel good not only to beat them, but to beat the piss out of them at the same time. And for him to be a big reason why, carrying the football uh, as well as he did uh, for the Packers. And the defense for the Lions uh, was equally impressive. They sacked Jordan Love five times. Uh, Aaron Jones was back for the first time since the Bear game. So his first... Uh, appearance in over three weeks, five carries for eighteen yards. AJ Dillon five carries for eleven yards. You know, twenty seven yards rushing. And actually, I think because of uh, the sack totals that they ended up with negative yards uh, rushing as well because they lost forty three yards in the five sacks to Jordan Love. And uh, let's see, rushing totals. No, they gave him twenty seven. Interesting. Does that come out of the passing total then? That's weird. Interesting, but so yeah, but it was an overall dominant performance from both sides uh, of the ball, and and even when the Packers made their push in the second half, because they came out, they scored a touchdown in the third quarter, came back with another one in the um, fourth quarter uh, as well, went for two, didn't get it, okay, no, no big deal, but you know, It was a, um, it wasn't enough. And it was actually the Packers who kind of did themselves in at the end. It was uh, Quay Walker, um, who was a first-round pick for them last year, got caught for a leaping penalty. And it's not so much that he jumped over the pile, because you see guys in the pros do that all the time. What he did was he was like that deep up back Uh, off the line of scrimmage and he got a running start and jumped over and that's illegal I don't know what the difference is quite frankly but you can't get a running start and jump over the pile you know because actually we saw that I saw the Bears do it Uh, one of our players Dylan Cole uh, on the field goal attempt that uh, gave the Broncos the lead uh, in the fourth quarter on Sunday Dylan Cole leaped right over the top of the Center to try to get a hand on on the and, field, and block the field goal, but he didn't get a five yard running start like Quay Walker did, and uh, so it took the field goal off the board for the Lions. It would have been thirty to seventeen had that um, had that stayed, but instead, it gave the ball back to the Lions, gave him a fresh set of downs, and a few plays later, uh, Montgomery scored his third touchdown of the of the night. Uh, from one yard out to make it thirty-four to seventeen, put the game out of reach. Because uh, all the Packers could muster after that was a uh, another Anders Carlson field goal to make it thirty-four to uh, twenty, and the game was over uh, from there. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it was a uh, it was it was fun watching, not so much watch the Packers lose, but watch the Lions play as well as they did. Uh, it was satisfying as a Bear fan to see someone, even a former Bear that you have love for, like Montgomery, perform well against this team that he was never lucky enough to beat when he was with us, uh, in Chicago. To see him dominate and be the main reason why, you know, that offensive line opened up holes for him. He dominated the game, uh, against the, uh, against the Packers and, uh, yeah, I mean I'm not one of those bear fans that really gets off on watching the Packers lose. Um but it's like as a Bears fan, we've been on the bottom half of the standings for a long time, for more more times than we haven't, uh, especially since Lovey was let go after the 2012 season, the Lions have been right there with us uh for the most part. And um you know, my my good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit, he's my, my my Lions guest every single time, and we've often had conversations where, you know, especially like going into the season where, yeah, wouldn't it be great if we could flip the division and the Bears and the Lions are one and two and the Vikings and the Packers are the ones digging their ways out of the cellar and trying to figure out how to move on from that. So, you know, as a, as a football fan and – um You know, I'm a sentimentalist for those teams that can't quite seem to get over the hump. And as we all know, notoriously, the Lions have been uh, one of those teams. So watching them go through this process and watching it succeed, which is what we would love to see happen uh, with the Bears, and we might have to wait a little bit longer just to see it, but to see somebody do it and for someone as close to us as uh, the Lions – I'm enjoying this. I really am. Um, Because the Lions are actually one of only four teams left in all of NFL history not to go to the Super Bowl. It's the Lions, the Browns, sadly, and uh, the Jags and the Texans. Neither of them have been to a Super Bowl uh, yet. Those are expansion teams, though. The Lions have been around for quite a while. And... Haven't been to a championship game since, like, the 1950s and haven't won a playoff game since 1991. So there are probably some of you that are listening to this right now that weren't alive the last time the uh, Lions won that playoff game against the Cowboys back in January of 92. So it's been a while. It's been a while. So not saying that they'll go and win, you know, but they're definitely building towards that. If not this year, then... They got to be looking really good to do it maybe next year if they just keep it going at this rate. Dan Campbell is is getting it done in in Detroit. But uh, I did go on the, uh, I did pick the Lions uh, to win this one, so good for me. Miami at Buffalo as we move on. Exciting game. First five drives of the game were all touchdowns. It was the the Dolphins and the Bills just going back and forth like a Madden game, just trading touchdowns uh, with each other. Uh, but Buffalo coming out ahead on that one, 21 to uh, 14 there. And uh, we're able to actually um, extend that lead in, uh, in the first half because they were up 31 to 14 by halftime. And it was a, a Dolphin turnover that kind of spun. Spun the whole thing out of whack uh, for him, and uh, you know they. Stefan Diggs had two touchdowns in the first half, an 11 yard, and then a big one was 28 to to make it 28 to 14 from 55 yards out. Uh, Josh Allen was a madman uh, once again in this one, and the defense actually for the uh, Bills stepped up huge, forcing two turnovers, sacking two of four times. In this one, that's 13 sacks for them in their last two games because they had nine last week uh, against the uh, against the Commanders and and going into this game, the Dolphins had only given up one sack in the first three games, which is why they've just been this track meet on a football field uh, in the first month of the uh, in the first month of the season. So I mean, this is the third straight win for the Bills after that Week One walk off loss on Monday night uh, to the Jets. And uh, like I said, teams establishing themselves for who they're going to be this year, the Bills did that in a big, big way uh, on Sunday, uh, pummeling the, uh, the Dolphins the way they did by 28. 28 points. So actually, I got my math wrong. It was, uh, let's see, it was 28 this week, 34 last week, and then 28 again. So 28 and 28 is 56 plus... 34 is 90. Is that right? Cuz they won by 34 last week. They beat the Raiders 38 to 10. That's a 28 point deficit. And they beat the Dolphins 48 to 20. So that's 28 again. So 28 and 28 is 56 plus 34 is 90. So that's an average of 30 points a game. That they've won their last three games since that Week One loss, that's bananas. But like I said, Josh Allen, twenty-one of twenty-five, so over eighty percent completion, three twenty-four touchdowns, no picks, and I don't know if he's turned the ball over since Week One. To be honest with you, I don't. I don't recall if him uh, doing that. Tua did throw an interception, and there was also a fumble in there as well. Tell you who did show up for the Dolphins is that Devin Achan Achan uh once again, or Devon. Devon Achan. Eight carries, hundred and one yards, including a fifty five yard run uh in there as well. The uh the Bills need to get the running game going. They had uh they got a hundred yards as a team, but their highest rusher only had thirty two on the day. So their main ball carrier, James Cook, twenty nine yards on twelve carries did score a touchdown but yeah oh yeah and Allen also added another one so uh, on the ground so he scored five touchdowns total uh for the Bills on Sunday Stefan Diggs three cat three touchdown catches which was half the balls that he caught six catches 120 yards three touchdowns for him Gabe Davis three catches 61 yards so uh yeah so unless they're doing these huge things <laughs> they're not catching the ball uh for the uh for the Bills. So big, big win for the Bills. Not only establishing them, uh, themselves as the team in the AFC East, but maybe the team in the AFC right now. Not just because they've won three in a row, but like I said, they've won by an average of 30 points these last three weeks. and And it wasn't so much them beating up on the Raiders or maybe even the Commanders uh, the last two weeks. But when you put a foot in the team that just scored 70 uh, on somebody and hold them to 20 points and win running away, it it was just a a hell of a uh, performance uh, by the Bills. And um, lucky for me, even though only I put like one or two points on it, I picked the Bills. So... Hip hip hooray. <laughs> uh, and now on to the one that I begrudgingly uh got correct because uh you know, I, I would love to have the confidence to pick them, but they just don't they don't make it possible, you know what I'm saying? And that's my Bears hosting the Broncos. Um you heard me in the all out blitz say in the other game between winless teams. This was the other game in in winless team between because it was the four winless teams that the NFL had all played each other this past weekend. Yeah, the Panthers and the Vikings were were both zero and three. The Bears and the Broncos zero and three. Those are the only four winless teams left in the league. And um, as I'm sure you all know by now, as I said in the all out blitz, the Vikings left the Panthers in the land of the windless, and the the Broncos left the Bears in the land of the windless. Although, watching the game, you never would have thought that would have happened, especially with three minutes to go in the third quarter. The Bears were up 28-7. to Because, yeah, because that's what the Bears do. Uh, I was talking with, um, with my uh, commander's guest for this week, uh, Mr. Who himself, uh, Brian, from the Commander's Declassified uh, podcast, and he's like, you know, I was watching the ticker, and I can't believe the Bears, I saw the Bears were up 28-7, I can't believe they lost. And my response was, you know what, as an isolated event, they were up 28-7, to I can't believe they lost either. But in the full context of the season itself, I can absolutely believe that we lost this game. It, it makes all the sense in the world that we would find a way to choke away a 21-point lead late in the game. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. The uh, The Broncos came out and they scored on their opening drive. Took it right down the field. Had a little help from the refs, but on a bogus, bogus, uh, unnecessary roughness call on, on Jack Sanborn. Uh, essentially, the referee... Threw the flag and then stood there in front of the Soldier Field crowd and said, uh, "Unnecessary roughness. Uh, football player playing football. Fifteen-yard penalty, first down. Uh, Denver. That's basically what happened. Because the, the it was a uh, the running back was was headed towards the sideline. He was still in bounds, so it's not like he hit him late or anything like that. He lowered his uh, his head, lowered his shoulder. Sanborn did the same thing." And they dinged him for it. I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing they were calling him for a helmet-to-helmet contact when it was a shoulder. It was a shoulder. And, yeah. But So that was 15 yards. The Broncos didn't earn. They took it the rest of the way uh, from there, uh, putting it uh, in the end zone uh, a few plays later on a, uh, I think it was a screen play, but uh, Jerry McLaughlin, 18 yards out, 7 nothing, And that was the only score. Of the first quarter, but uh, the Bears blew the game open in the second quarter with three touchdown drives, bang, bang, bang. The first being to uh, DJ Moore from 29 yards out and Cole Komet from 22 yards out, beautiful throw, where they, surprise, surprise, attack the middle of the field. And I've been begging for the Bears to do that because everyone knows the Bears like to live outside the hashes. So whenever you throw one of those quick screens, to the outside uh it's the it's the bear receiver uh whoever his receiver compadre is out there standing with him and then four or five defenders in the area so that the play doesn't get anything unless a miracle occurs and they just shoot right through the through the gap there um but they start attacking the middle of the field and there was cole commit for a three uh, for a 22 yard uh, reception, and then, uh Uh, doing his best pat mahomes uh, impression fields rolling out to his uh rolling out to his right looking looking maybe he's gonna run maybe he won't pulls up at the last second just before crossing the line of scrimmage hits cole in the end zone for the third touchdown we're up 21 to 7 at the half and if it weren't for a hail mary attempt at the end of the second quarter justin fields was perfect in the first half so not only Was he playing well? He was perfect in the first half. Uh, Officially, he was 16 of 17 for 231 and three touchdowns, and that one incompletion was a Hail Mary attempt at the end of the half. So he was perfect in the first half. And it, it continued in the second half into the third quarter because after essentially forcing a three and out with the Broncos, the Bears took their next drive for 15 plays, nine and a half minutes, and capped it off with another touchdown. Uh, This time from, well, and actually kind of foreshadowing something that would go very, very wrong for the Bears in the fourth quarter, a free rusher comes up the field and disrupts the play. Whatever it was supposed to be, it didn't get to be because there was a rusher in Justin Fields' face. He was able to elude that rusher. Uh, run around and find Khalil Herbert in the end zone for a two yard pass. Now, this became critical as a drive or two later in the fourth quarter. Now that the Broncos are up or t- are just down 28 to 21 because they scored one more time before the end of the quarter uh, in the third. So we, we go 28 to 14 into the fourth quarter. And the very next drive, 10 plays, 66 yards. Cortland Sutton wide open in the end zone, 28 21 Bears. And then on the ensuing drive, uh, the Bears look like they're trying to rebound and, and, and you know reestablish, hang on to the lead, maybe add some points to this thing. And for about the fourth or fifth time in the game, the free rusher ignores the play-action fake, comes right for Justin Fields. And at this point, he got there so fast that as soon as Justin Fields turned around, he had a defender in his face. He reaches up to try to throw it over the top of his head. Ball gets knocked out of his hands. And former Ohio State teammate of his, Jonathan Cooper, scoops it up and runs it in for a 35-yard touchdown. And just like that, we went from 28-7 to to 28-28 with about seven minutes to go in the game. And the the ensuing drive after that, I got to give the Bears credit because you don't really see this from them. Usually when they have those moments like tying, giving up a – 28-7 to lead, and now it's tied, and it's anybody's ballgame at this point. That's where you usually see them continue to come apart at the seams. Well, unfortunately, that moment did happen. It just happened later because usually they would respond to a moment like that by going three and out and immediately giving the ball back. But instead, they drove the ball up the field, got themselves into Broncos territory. They're at the Broncos 17-yard line. It's fourth and one, and now Ibraflus wants to go for it. He didn't want to go for it on the opening drive when we were 4th and 1 at the 50. You know, we're at midfield, 4th and 1. We're 0-3. We've got the ball moving. Let's hang on to this thing and finish it off. No, 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 no. We're going to punt. And we punt, and then they took that opening drive, you know, 80 yards for a touchdown. And that's how genius that move was uh, from Iberflus. But now, now that we're in field goal range and can easily take the lead, this would have been a 35-yard field goal, for Cairo Santos, who's kicking the ball very, very well. He's one of the he's one of the few bright spots that the Bears can lean on at this point is that our field goal kicker is ba- virtually automatic right now. That's how well he's kicking the ball. And uh, no, 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 we're not going to go for it. First, we're going to try to get them to jump on fourth and one. And I don't fault them for that because it worked earlier in the game. We got them to jump and we're able to get a first down out of it. And when that didn't work, we call a timeout, and then we go for it anyway. And instead of you know running an option play where Justin hangs on to the ball and does it himself, um, we just do a straight up dive into a wall of humanity and don't get an inch. We got stuffed on fourth and one. We didn't even get close. So it's not even like they had to measure to see how close we were. We no, it. That's how bad it was. We weren't. We weren't even close enough to get a measurement out of it. The Broncos take it right back down the field, kick the field goal of their own to take the lead, and then on the drive to try to go and and tie or win. Uh, Miscommunication between Justin Fields and Cole Komet. He was expecting, I think he was expecting Cole Komet to keep coming across the middle uh, of the field, and he in in fact sits on the route, so it looked like Justin Fields threw it right to the defender because – because the defender was was closing in and stepped right in front of it. That happened with thirty three seconds left. Ball game. Bears lose. And uh yeah. So so the the day that Justin Fields had twenty eight of thirty five, so 80 percent completion rate, erased, three hundred and thirty five yards, first time over three hundred yards as a professional. Uh, for the Bears, four touchdowns. uh, But all that people are going to talk about when it comes to the tail of the tape on Justin Fields is the fumble that wasn't his fault and the interception that was more of a miscommunication than a bad throw that he made. But it all does add up to the fact that in the time that Justin Fields has been our quarterback, whenever we've been in a moment like this, where we've had a chance to go and tie or, God forbid, go and win, we've come up short. For one reason or another, while Justin Fields has been our quarterback, we've fallen short in every one of these uh, scenarios where we had a chance to extend the game or go and win it. We've come up short, and this is just another another brick on that pile uh, right now. So never mind that he was brilliant for the majority of the game. And even in those moments where the offense wasn't getting it done, he was still laser 28-35. That's outstanding. Anybody would want to have a day like that. 335 yards. He, he out-threw Wilson by over 110 yards in this game. Russell Wilson only had two 223, but he had three touchdown passes, so everybody's talking about, oh, Russell Wilson is back. I don't know, guys. He played against the Bears, so if he – if he does, you know, two twenty-three and three touchdowns next week when he's playing the uh, against the Jets, who have a stellar defense, then you can say Russell Wilson is back. But right here, right now, he just had a good day against a crappy defense, and I, I guess you can say the same thing for Justin Fields. But uh, the fact that the offense has looked nothing like this in the first three weeks, I'm hoping that, as a Bears fan, I've been, I was saying all week that. I just hope that the Bears again can use this cupcake defense that the Broncos has to be able to put on tape what it's supposed to look like when the offense is running properly. And I think at the very least the Bears accomplished that on Sunday. They can go back and look at this film and be like, okay, so when the offensive line creates a pocket and Justin has time, he can scan the field. Our receivers are getting open. Justin delivers a laser because he's got an arm to throw the ball out of the goddamn stadium. This is what it's supposed to look like, guys. So let's do this for the rest of the season. So if we go down, we go down swinging at least instead of embarrassing ourselves out there week after week. But the Bears uh, don't have time, don't really have a lot of time to look at this tape because we're going to Washington to play the Commanders on Thursday night football. The uh, Broncos are home for the Jets. So we'll see if they if both of these teams that played so well on offense on Sunday will be able to recreate that performance against the Washington at least has nothing but studs up front. So they you know, I'm anticipating a a a problem with that defensive line that the Commanders have. And the Jets are are very good on defense across the board. So if both of these teams can come out and put up twenty-eight and thirty points again, even against these teams, then you can say that their offenses have figured it out. But until then, it was just a uh, a good week against a bad defense. But sadly, I didn't have the faith that my Bears could pull it off, and I turned out to be right. So,
0: yeah.
1: Baltimore at Cleveland. And this one did not at all go the way that I thought it was. First of all, uh, something that I wasn't anticipating, and, and I guess maybe I need to pay closer attention, especially when it comes to our pick'em game, is the, uh, the late scratch for Deshaun Watson. I did not know that he was dealing with a shoulder injury that uh, you know, it was questionable whether or not he was going to play, but uh, then he didn't. Uh, turns out it was a shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder. And was was basically trying to work through it and and uh right up until the the you know the last minute, because they have to announce inactives ninety minutes before kickoff. And uh Deshaun Watson was a late scratch, and I didn't hear about that until it was too late, so I wasn't able to change my pick, so I'll just go ahead and do this now. Mm. Yep. I picked the Browns to win this game. And uh, that was not even close to what actually happened. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson, aka DTR, the fifth round draft choice from UCLA, had a strong preseason and was able to parlay that into the uh, backup job for the uh, Browns, uh, so where they felt comfortable enough to send Josh Dobbs off to Arizona, uh, you know, to be their starting quarterback for the for the time being, while Kyler Murray is still working on that. Uh, rehab for the knee injury that he suffered at the end of the season last year but um, that strong preseason didn't help him against the Ravens because he struggled to get anything going uh, on offense he threw three picks got sacked four times the Browns only scored three points and they did that like on probably like their second drive uh, of the game they had 166 yards of of total offense only 73 of that was passing yards from from, uh, from DTR. Uh, yeah, it was just utter domination by uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, Jackson had two touchdown runs, threw for two more touchdown passes. His numbers weren't sexy, but they were efficient. 15 of 19, that's pretty good. 186 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And uh, like I said, he also ran into as well. So he did all the scoring for the Ravens, and it was more than enough. Uh, to get them uh, the win and like I said they sacked uh, Robinson four times in this one Patrick Queen Broderick Washington Justin uh, Mabduke and they've got one as a listed as a team sack so I guess there's one where just six dudes got there all at once so they just gave it to the team as opposed to actually giving somebody the uh, nod but uh, utter domination for the uh, Ravens and like I said I I picked the Browns because I was like, I'm, I'm betting on that defense, and I didn't know that uh, Watson wasn't playing. So, once again, <laughs> didn't get that one right. Tampa Bay at New Orleans. Derek Carr played despite uh, you know all the talk of him not uh, being in the lineup because of the shoulder injury he suffered against Green Bay uh, last week, but he went ahead and played anyway. For all the good it did, because uh, the Saints uh, just were not—they uh, were not up for this, uh, not at all. Only 197 yards of total offense uh, for the uh, for the Saints in this one. Turned the ball over three times uh, as well. Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers were brilliant. However, Mayfield 25 of 32, 246, and three touchdowns uh, in this one. You know, Derek Carr, 127 yards on 23 of 37. That is, that is terrible. <laughs> that is, that is not good at all. So he played hurt for no reason and, um, was ineffective in doing so. But I think the most disappointing part for the, for Saints fans at least, had to be that they got, uh, they got Alvin Kamara back. He finished his three game suspension for off the field nonsense. And, um, only managed 84 yards on 24 touches. That's, yeah. He caught 13 passes for 33 yards. That's a lot of one or two-yard catches uh, in there. And then carried the ball 11 times for 51 yards. So he was better on the ground, over four yards of carry uh, on the ground. But it was 84 yards on 24 touches for... Uh, for Kamara, and I'm sure that they were hoping for a lot more than that. I mean, rust or no rust, they there were no restrictions. He wasn't held back. He wasn't on a pitch count of any kind or or anything like that. Only got 84 yards uh out of him on Sunday. Uh, you know, it, like I said, the whole team was was ineffective. Chris Olave, one catch on six targets for four yards. That's awful. Um. Michael Thomas only fifty three yards on four catches, so decent there. But uh, you know, like I said, it just it wasn't the, it just wasn't the Saints' day, which is rare when they're at home against the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers have had this history. Even when Brady, like with the year that they won the Super Bowl in twenty twenty, the uh, the Saints beat the crap out of Tampa Bay twice. Uh, like week two in the Superdome, and then beat him like forty-eight to three on Sunday Night Football, uh, only to lose to Brady and company in the divisional round in the playoffs. But I think that was like the one time that Brady beat the 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 Saints in New Orleans. Was that was that playoff game? In his three years in Tampa Bay, I think he only beat him in New Orleans that one time. So uh, historically, it's been a tough place, a for anybody to win a game, but especially for the Buccaneers. They don't perform well, but Baker Mayfield put a stop to all that. Twenty, Like I said, 25-32, 246, three touchdowns in that one. Chris Godwin, 114 yards on eight catches. Uh, Devin Tompkins had a touchdown catch as well. Uh, Mike Evans did leave the game early, I believe, with a hamstring injury. I guess it'll, he'll be more day-to-day and figure out what the long-term effect, if anything, will be. Uh, for that, so that's a concern going forward. But like I said, Godwin stood up, uh, stepped up big time. A catches 114 yards uh, for them on that one. I didn't put much on it because uh, I I did respect the uh, defense of the Buccaneers. They are playing well uh, for Todd Bowles uh, right now, but um, I did pick the Saints to win. That uh, picked them to win, so came up short on that one and finally in our pick six Washington at Philadelphia the commanders were out to show that it was the loss in Buffalo that was the fluke not their 2-0 start before the Buffalo game and uh, they went a long way in doing that by jumping out to a 17-7 lead over the Eagles uh, in, the, in the first half on touchdowns from Curtis Samuel and what was essentially a touchdown run from Brian Robinson, but he fumbled uh, as he was going into the end. Basically, he fought off the entire defense to get into the end zone, fumble the ball, and Terry McLaurin uh, recovered it uh, in the end zone. So goes down as a TD for him. But, um, you know, it, it was uh, a, a fairly a, a solid showing by the commanders in the first half to come in there. Into this hostile environment, and and smack the uh, defending NFC champs in the mouth, and you know get this big lead. But uh, the second half is where the Eagles did come to life, uh, taking a twenty-one to seven lead, seventeen lead into the uh, fourth quarter. They 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 made it seventeen to ten just before the half, and then came out and 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 banged out a couple of touchdown or a couple of drives. Jake Elliott kicked another field goal. A.J. Brown. A 59-yard pass uh, from Jalen Hurts to make it 21 to uh, 17, and then in the fourth quarter they went back and forth. They add another field goal, they being the Eagles to make it 24 to 17, and then a big 15-yard run from Brian Robinson makes 24-24. Another touchdown pass from uh, Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown, 31 to 24. Oh, hold on a second. Even though they give the ball back to the commanders with a minute 43 to go in the game and at the final moment Jahan Dotson catches a 10-yard pass from Sam Howell to tie it at 31 and send it to overtime so the commanders refuse to go away tying the game up twice in the fourth quarter and i'm sure that when they when eagles fans saw AJ Brown cross the goal line that you know to make it 31-24 Game's over now. It's over with. We can put this thing to bed. Like, nope they're uh, they're not done yet. Right at the buzzer, we're going to score one more time and send this thing to overtime. But overtime is where the Eagles would uh, win it. I think uh, from the looks of things, it looks like the Commanders got the ball first and had, and uh, ended up handed it over because uh, it was a ten play, four and a half minute drive. Jake Elliott kicks a fifty four yard field goal for the walk-off win for the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are on the road at the Rams uh, next week to see if they can make it to uh, 5-0, and I, I feel fairly confident that will, in fact, happen. And the, the Commanders, as we know, are playing my beloved Chicago Bears on Thursday night football, and they're at home uh, for that one. So I, I, I'm pretty I'm sadly probably picking the commanders to win that one, uh, as well. But, uh, in this one, I picked the Eagles to win and, uh, they came through for me, even though the, uh, commanders were pesky and wouldn't go away. The, uh, Eagles were able to, uh, get it done. So that's the pick six for week number four, and that's going to do it for the week four review of the fourth phase, uh, come back. uh, let's see. Come back on tomorrow. Come back on Wednesday. Because of this short week, I'm dropping the preview episode early uh, on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have our friend Mr. Who from the Commanders Declassified podcast joining us to uh, preview Bears and Commanders uh, for week number five. And uh, then we will be back Thursday for to preview the rest of week number five. Um the fourth face so busy week uh for it it's like usually like tuesday is my quote-unquote day off uh from uh podcasting and uh but not this week not when the i mean i don't get a day off until saturday actually because actually i think friday would be a day off because no it's it's saturday because uh i'll be recording the bears commanders review episode on friday so yeah Busy, busy week for me. So, yeah. So come on back tomorrow for Bears Commanders uh, preview. And uh, until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase. We will see you next time.